This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I am very honored today to have across from me a woman whose book has deeply impacted my life and inspired me in her story of stepping out in faith and trusting God and saying yes to some things that for some of us would, well, probably most of us would feel really overwhelming and like there's no way we could ever do what God's called her to do. And so Nicole Homan, she is the author of They Call Me Mama. And Nicole, how many children do you have? 14. She has 14 children. And we are going to talk about her story and how God led her into this life that I don't think you probably ever envisioned back when you were first starting out in this journey. Nope, not at all. <laughs> we had the idea of a minivan. God thought minibus, I guess. <laughs> so, or maybe just bus, just bus, <laughs> big bus. Um, and so, Nicole, there's so much that I want to talk to you about, and I feel like your story. You know, this is not about everyone should go out and have 14 children, but this is really I. I feel like reading your book just inspired me. What does it look like in my life to say yes to what God is calling me to, even if it's something far beyond whatever I would dream or imagine? For my life. But let's start back at the beginning. I'd love for you to just take a minute, introduce yourself. Um, obviously, I already said you have 14 children, but there's a lot more to you than that. So tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. So I um, married my best friend about eight, 18 years ago, and um, we just always dreamed of having a family. That was our big 
big dream was just to have a family. And um, God definitely has given us a family. So we have nine boys, five <laughs> girls. My oldest is 19, and my youngest is eight years old. And they stack up like twins and triplets along the way. Um, it was definitely not our plan. Mm. But looking back, like I'm so thankful that we said yes. And I can't even imagine what life would be like without Mm. each one of them. I mean, they're such an incredible gift. And, you know, a lot of times when you adopt or you do foster care, you know, people will see you with your children and they'll say, oh, you are such a blessing to that child or you are, you must be a saint. But honestly, I feel like the blessed one, Mm. like the way they've impacted my life, loving them has changed me. Mm. And I'm just so blessed that, I mean, that I get to be called their mom. Like what Mm. a privilege, Mm. what an, what a humbling privilege. And so it's been a roller coaster. I mean, there's ups, there's downs, there's good days, there's bad days. There's a whole lot of dishes and a whole (laughs) lot of laundry. Uh, And it is very noisy in our house. It is never quiet as scary in my house. So, you know, it, it is just, it's a ruckus and chaos sometimes, but it's so, so wonderful. It's such a gift just to love them. So Mm. When you first got married, did you, were you planning to have kids right away? Tell me about that. Yeah. So we right away, like I said, that was our dream to have a family. And then I struggled with infertility Mm -hmm. and we were at that time, we were missionaries. So we were um, traveling with an organization and we were meeting a lot of people from different countries. And one of the people that we met um, was facilitating adoptions through Liberia, Africa. And so I sang for her event and I was helping them. And she asked me, would you and your husband ever be interested? And that was something that was like far in the distance. I mean, Mm -hmm. we were eating ramen for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, it's like, we do not have, we we knew that in our minds, you know, you you hear the stories that adoption is expensive. And so it was like something we dreamed of down the road, but didn't think it would be possible for us in that season. Um, But she just kept asking me, like, I just keep thinking about you guys. Would you be interested? And I said, well, you can start sending us pictures mm-hmm. and at least we can pray for these kids that you send our way. And so the very first picture she sent me was this little boy named Abraham. And I printed it off, walked right into my husband's office, slapped the picture in front of him. And I was like, I'm introducing your son. <laughs> like, I just knew like this was my kid. I mm-hmm. knew it. Um, and that's how we started our adoption journey. And at the very end, and that was whole thing. I mean, the way the money came together, that it it was pretty crazy for us to believe that this could happen. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I said, we're eating ramen, we're, we're washing our, our plastic utensils to reuse them. I mean, like we were, but we just, we believed, we really believed that if, if we were called to this, that, that God would provide. And so we took this huge step of faith and we went for it. And at the end of his adoption process, we were waiting for the last paperwork so my husband could go and get him. Um, I start feeling weird. And then I fall asleep in this plate of lasagna. And I love food. <laughs> so I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this isn't Nikki. I don't do this, you know. And uh, sure enough, I was pregnant. And then one after another, after another, after another, you know, the story goes, we had four of our own after that, uh, biologically. but. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of how it happened. And so I was at home like morning sickness Mm. and like waiting for him to bring Abraham home. And then he came home and four months later we had a baby and um, just, yeah, that whole process, just seeing God's hand in it and um, 
it just was pretty, it was a pretty cool experience. And um, Abraham is a lot like me. And there's a lot of similarities there. And it's just been a, a joy to um, watch him grow mm-hmm. and, and become the man that he is today. So, And is he the one that's 19? He is actually 18. Okay. And then, so we had the four. And then we decided, like, we should... We were working with children at the time. We were children's pastors, and there was this heart in us to say, like, you know, we should do this again. Mm-hmm. And and we thought, well, we have four boys, and we have one girl, so we'll adopt one girl. And we have this way of kind of planning out our life. Like, I don't know if you do that, but, like, for us anyways, that's been a struggle all throughout it. Like, this is how it will work out. And, you know, we kind of plan how everything's going to happen. And so we had this idea, like she had to be under five years old and she'd be best friends with our daughter. And we only needed one because, you know, we could only handle maybe one more kid. And um, so we go through the process and then our son, Gideon, our youngest got really, really sick. And so we were in the hospital for a long period of time. And I actually forgot we had filled out our paperwork for foster care. Like everything was about just getting him healthy again. And so literally the day he started walking again, because he had lost that ability. So the day that he began walking again, the phone rings and they're like, we have children for you. And I said, excuse me, children. (laughs) And they said, yeah, we have, we have two. And then they said, they're boys and they're six and 10. So it was like completely the opposite of everything that we thought that that was going to happen. But I just knew in my heart, like, these are my boys. Like Mm -hmm. I needed to bring them home. And so they slept with pink sheets the first night because everything was set up for a girl. But we brought them home and then would later find out that they had three siblings Mm. and um, would get to keep them all together and bring them into our home. And so we went from five to 10 in the matter of a few months. And so the oldest, my oldest now, I have a, a firstborn, a first that came, and then a a oldest, and they're all a different child. Um, But my oldest now is from that group. His name is Ruben. So So you talked about with Abraham believing God that he had called you to this and that he would provide. I think there's so many people that they want to have that sort of faith. And I think it's beautiful that his name is Abraham. Yeah. You know, like we're talking about faith. Mm-hmm. They want to have that faith. They want to follow God, just like Abraham did to to the unknown. But they're really scared. Mm-hmm. What advice, what encouragement would you have for someone who they want to step out, but fear is holding them back? Yeah. I think one of the ways that we shatter the fear's control in our life is literally to take the step of it's literally just, you know, when you think about Abraham, there's a story in the Bible, Genesis 12, where it talks about how, you know, Abraham is being called into this place that he'd never been before, into the unknown, and you and to leave everything he knew behind. And, and you can put yourself in that moment and go, that must have been terrifying mm. to think of, like, that. what a brave and bold step. And it says, when you do that, like, this is the blessing that's waiting for you, all the good things that are going to happen. And and I'm going to take care of you and your family. and I'm going to prosper you and give you wealth. But it was on the other side of that. Yes. Right. Mm. And there's a verse right in the middle of all of that where it says, and Abraham went. Mm. And you just realize that like, if that verse wasn't there, he would have missed out on all that was waiting for him on the other side of that yes. Mm. And what I've found in my life is that when I can begin to focus on that, and even if I am scared, take that bold step 
without fail on the other side, I've never regretted it. Mm. Like it has always been such a blessing in my life. And so even with Abraham, when we adopted him, it was scary. It seemed impossible. It felt risky with my heart. You know, here I am coming off of some years of infertility, a longing for a baby. What if this fell through? What if this didn't happen? But I knew like, if, I, if I'll just go and Abraham went to like, if Nikki just goes, if I'll just say yes, if I'll take that step, I know that God will meet me there. And sure enough, he did. So you said yes. And all of a sudden you have 10 children. Yes. <laughs> Talk to me about, okay, so I'm assuming they were all fairly young. Yes. And so you have 10 young children. Mm-hmm. Were there moments when you were thinking, what did we say yes to? Yeah. Uh, there were many of those <laughs> moments. So I had 10 under 10. And it happened so fast. And I I remember one day, and at that time, I was also dealing with, I had lost my voice for two years. Mm. I had these um, nodules on my throat. And and so I was ringing a bell to bring them inside. And I remember one day I'm ringing the bell. I'm just trying to get them inside from playing outdoors. I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Like, I can't do this. You know, I'm feeling so like overwhelmed by it. Um, so yeah, definitely there were a lot of those moments where it was just like, what, how can I do this? But in the midst of that, you know, again, just those moments of when I would look at them and go, okay, they're safe today. Mm-hmm. They're loved today. It's worth it today. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, keeping my, my perspective, I guess, on what really mattered I think I learned in that season that I needed to lay down the expectations of perfection. Like we were going, you know, everything's going to go perfectly. We're going to make the perfect memories. We're going to like, no, it's going to be messy Mm -hmm. and allowing the expectation to be, okay, I'm learning how to have 10 kids. I've never done that before. (laughs) They're learning how to to receive me as a mom Mm. and that role in their life. We're all learning what family is going to look like. And giving grace for the learning mm-hmm. and giving grace for the fact that we were going to be a little bit messy. When I could like let go of the pressure to be like perfect or to have the perfect memory, the perfect Christmas and just say, okay, we're going to be messy, but it's going to be worth it. We're going to love each other through it. There was such a, a grace that would come with that to mother them and to enjoy mm. even the mess and the chaos that came with learning each other in that season. I just heard from a mom this past week, and she was talking about how she's so overwhelmed by the mess and the noise. And I'm sure you have felt that a lot. What do you do in those moments when you are feeling overwhelmed by the mess? Yeah. I'd love to be able to say that I can walk away and I can go get coffee and you know have my moment. And sometimes I can, and that's great. But there's moments you can't, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're in that moment with them and it's noisy and it's chaotic. And a lot of times what I'll do in those moments is I'll put myself, I call it a mommy timeout, where I literally just sit down in the mess, in the chaos, and I take a breath and I remember what's important. And I just kind of recalibrate my heart and my mind on, you know, what matters in this moment. Like, yes, it's noisy, but that means they're they feel safe to make a noise. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's messy, but that means that they're fully living in this moment. Mm. And and kind of refocusing on what 
what really matters in the moment. And that for me has been a saving grace. It's been what helps me to get through those moments because they for sure come, especially with nine boys. <laughs> like one of them's <laughs> hanging from a tree, a sister's duct taped to a chair, you know, and you're like, what do I do first? You know? And it's in those moments where I just be like, okay, take a breath. They're loved. They're safe. It's worth it. You know, take a moment. And when I can refocus my heart in those moments in that stillness, because sometimes you won't have stillness around you, but you can have stillness within you. Mm. Right, like you can take a moment just in the chaos to still your heart, to still your mind, and to set it on. This is what matters. This is okay. I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. There's joy here in this mess, and then you look for that joy, and it it's just helped me immensely. So you must be doing something to cultivate that stillness in your heart. I don't yeah. think that that just happens. Yeah, for me. Um, Getting up before they do has been instrumental. I have to start my day um, ready to go when they wake up. And that means taking time in the morning with a cup of coffee and journaling. And um, for me, it's studying the Bible and it's, you know, taking that time to pray and to get my heart right. And really, there isn't a lot of noise in that time. There isn't a lot of conversation. Sometimes my husband and I, you know, we'll sit down, have a cup of coffee and, and connect about the day. But for the most part, that is a time of quiet for me. And I can just kind of, again, focus my heart on what matters. So that's a huge part of it for me um, is how I start my day and then how I end my day. Mm. That's another really important aspect of it, you know, putting down the cell phone and and all those things that can take your attention and the lights and the noise. And, and before I'm going to bed, you know, again, focusing on, God, I thank you that you did this today and, and thinking of the good things in the day. Not just focusing on all the areas we probably need to grow, because there are definitely areas we could grow. I can grow as a mom, and for sure I need to think about those things, but kind of also focusing on, but God, I saw you here, and this was awesome today, and this was a win, and and looking for the good and the joy in that day before I go to bed, and, and that has always just been a huge blessing to me is how I start my day, how I end my day, that really matters to help me stay in that stillness within. Okay, so the question is, how do you actually get your kids to allow you to have this quiet time? I just feel like with having so many children, it would be there would always be someone that would be yeah. still up at night or up early in the morning. Is there a way that you have encouraged that? And because I know a lot of moms are just like, as soon as I get up, one of my kids or three of my kids wake up. Yeah. When my kids were now they're getting older, right? Mm -hmm. So like sleep is a, like a wonderful treasure for them that they just like, <laughs> let's sleep in, you know? So that definitely helps. The wonderful part of the teen years. Yes. <laughs> so I know like, okay, I have this space. I'm not going to see them. Um, that's a gift. Uh, but when they were younger, one of the things I would do, because they would wake up and they would, you know, want, want mama and so forth. But one of the things I would do is I would have a bin of, of toys that was just for um, that time. Mm. And I would pull it out just for that time. So then they're excited to play with those toys and they're totally immersed in that while I'm sitting there. And I mean, I'll tell you, there've been times I've got my cup of coffee, my journal, and I'm pulling Nerf bullets out <laughs> of my coffee to drink it. You know, for sure there have been those moments, but that helped. And then also remembering that as I am, um, I think being aware that motherhood is not a small part of a big life, mm -hmm. but that it's important and it matters. I think if we can see motherhood with purpose, 
then all of a sudden, even as I'm like rocking my baby, you know, in in the middle of the night, I can find the stillness there. Like I can Mm -hmm. find the purpose in that. And there's joy in that. And, and even in that moment, sitting there and taking time to pray or listening to a song that just ministers my heart as I'm in that moment with my baby. But I think it was finding those little windows of opportunity um, and, and carving it out. A lot of times we'll say like, oh, I'll get to it. Like whatever mm. that thing is that fuels you and helps you to move forward. Oh yeah, I'll get to it. Oh, I'll make, you know, yeah, I'll hang out with my friend or yeah, I'll read that book or whatever it is. But whenever we say, yeah, I'll get to it, it's usually just code for I'll never get to it. Mm. And so we really have to be intentional as moms to say, these are the things in my life. I'm a musician. I need to sit at the piano. Mm. Like I need that time at my piano to just kind of pour my heart out. So I got to carve that time out or it'll it'll never happen. And I need that from for me to feel whole mm-hmm. and, and settled in, in my day. And so I think finding those things, this is what I need and then being intentional to make it happen. So, so you had 10 children. Yes. And then now you have 14. Yes, so, I do. So <laughs> something else happened. You yeah. Tell us that part of the story. So we had had the 10 for about three, three and a half years and we were all content, feeling good. And I felt like, well, we're done, you know? <laughs> My kids disagreed and they came to me one day and they just kept coming and kept coming and they were all feeling like they were to, we were to adopt again. And they're like, mom, we just can't get away from it. We've been having dreams and we've been thinking about it and we just really feel like we are to adopt again. And they started to just push on that over and over again and, and just say over and over again. And, and my husband and I were listening to them and it's starting to kind of like, about it, you know, and we're starting to go, okay, well, if you have 10, what's 11? And this really seems to matter to them. I mean, they, they were coming to the point of saying like, we'll give away our bed. They can sleep in our room. Like we just really, mom, there's other kids out there. We want to adopt again. And, and so we said, okay, we're just going to go for it. Let's, you know, what's 11 when you have 10. And so we go through the paperwork, we get to the end and they said, you know, you can start looking, there was a database that you could go through um, and you can start looking through the children and seeing if there's one you feel would be a good fit. And so my kids like pop popcorn and they were like, yes, this is it. This is our moment, you know? And so they all gather around and they were the ones scrolling through and they picked a little girl and they said, this is the one. And I look and I look and I realize that that one is connected to that one and that one and that one. And they're a sibling group of four. And so I told my kids that and they're like, yeah, those are the kids. Like that's our brothers and sisters. And so my husband and I, we sat on that for a while because (laughs) we were not ready for that. And my husband's like, how are we going to fit them in the car? And I'm like, we'll get you a moped. You can drive behind us. It'll be fine. You know, but anyway, so we, we just sat on it for a while, but just something in our hearts, we just knew like, even the kids knew, we knew, like, we need to just try and see. And we got approved. And when we met them, we met them actually on my birthday, which was like mm-hmm. such an incredible birthday gift. And we were in this room and we were playing together. And my daughter, my now daughter, Brianna, she made me like a Play-Doh birthday cake. And we got to have this time with them. And we got out in our car and just started to cry mm-hmm that we would be privileged to get to love them Mm. for the rest of their lives. And it was just this knowledge of like, yes, like this, these are our kids, you know? Mm. 
And so it, it was six months of visits and they lived three hours away. So every weekend we'd be loading the kids up, driving down to get them, making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on my on my lap. I had so many clothes ruined during that <laughs> during that season just because I'd have like stained food everywhere. But we're eating in the car on the way to get them and eating in the car on the way to back to our house for the little visit for the weekend and then taking them back at the, on Sunday. And um, But yeah, but just in that process, then they finally came home and they were with us forever. And it's a pretty cool thing. And so, yeah. And then did you know, okay... 14 is the number we're done. You know, um, we actually had, after that, we had a failed adoption because there was one more that was in mm-hmm. our hearts and it, and it didn't work out. Um, but at this point I'm pretty content. Yeah. I'm pretty settled here. <laughs> I'd love to talk a little bit more about the failed adoption because I know that that's something that a lot of people have walked through and I'm sure that that was really hard, especially yeah. like if you've said yes and God's opened these doors and like provided. And then how did you process that? Yeah. I think if we're going to be okay with God saying, say yes, we Mm -hmm. have to be okay when God says no. Mm. Right. So like there are times in our lives where God is in the yes, but then Mm -hmm. there's times where God is in the no. And in this situation, I, I, we really had felt like God had said, give an opportunity. Mm. Um, And it, and it, it, uh, you know, in the end, it didn't work out. Um, I think we need to validate that pain. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times people with failed adoption, um, it's a miscarriage of the heart. Mm. It really is. And there's a grief there. And there was a love there mm-hmm. that um, it doesn't go away. You know, I still think of him every day. I still pray for him every day. I still love him, mm-hmm. you know. And I think acknowledging that and, and more conversation in that space is needed mm-hmm. um, because it is part of the adoption journey. There's a number of people that along the way of their adoption journey have these goodbyes, have these no's, mm-hmm. and it's okay to grieve them mm-hmm. and and to feel what you need to feel in that space um, in the letting go. But yeah, it was definitely a hard season um, for our family it was very difficult, but there was a grace to, to walk it out together. And um, my kids were awesome, just loving me through it because mm-hmm. they could see my heart, my mama's heart, grieving in that in that journey. So, As you look back on this wild journey that God has had you on, what have been some of your biggest lessons? Like if you could have if you could go back and talk to yourself before you had any kids, what would you say to that woman? Like, what do you wish that you had known? That could be a whole book of its own, right? Um, I would tell her that she matters and that she doesn't have to be perfect. Um, I would give her grace because she didn't give grace to herself. Um, we have some sayings in our family that came out of kind of lessons God carved into us along the way. And two of them that have been significant, one has been that family is messy, but it's worth it. Mm. And sometimes you have to fight, not fight with them, but fight for them. Mm. Say, I'm not giving up. I'm digging in my heels, whether it's in marriage or it's with a child. There have been so many moments where the easy Option would have been to run, 
the easy option would have been to give up. And there were parts of my heart that felt like it was the safer option. Like, Mm. I don't know if I can keep going through the pain um, that we're walking through right now, you know? Mm. But what I've found along the way as I've not given up is that family sure is messy, Mm. but it's also so worth it. It's worth fighting for. So I would tell her that. And then the other lesson that has changed my life is that home is for learning and not for perfection. Mm. And while we're learning, we're loved. And I say that to my kids all the time. But when I learned that lesson, everything changed. Because I was somebody who put so much pressure. I had grown up. I was a pastor's kid. Um, and I felt the pressure of the responsibility there. Not that it was put on me by anyone. I put it on myself. Mm-hmm. But just this feeling of like, I've got I've to be perfect. I've got to be an example. I've got to do things right. And I can't color outside the lines. I can't you know, fail. I can't make a mistake because it might shame my parents or embarrass my father. And I didn't want to do that. And, and so I had put all of that on me. And so when I stepped into parenting at the beginning, I carried all that in with me. And then I put that on my husband. Oh, you can't say that. Oh, you can't do that. No, no, no. What will people think? What will people, you know? And then I put it on my child. And here was this little boy who had been through trauma, who came to us broken. And I'm, you can't act that way. You can't yell. You can't, what will people think if you throw a tantrum in the nursery? Mm. Like, you know, I just, I felt such shame when he, when he would have an outburst or he would be upset or angry. And, and that pressure almost destroyed me. Um, but when I learned to have grace for myself and that God wasn't expecting perfection from me and that I, it's okay that I'm just learning, I'm doing my, the best that I can. I'm loving my kids with all that I have today. But if I make a mistake or I screw up that there's grace and there's forgiveness, when I started to give that to myself and then I could give that to them, our home became such a joyful place. Mm-hmm because nobody felt pressure anymore. We knew even if I'm messy today, you're going to love me. Mm. And for sure, we're going to walk through it. We're going to learn from it. Absolutely. But that grace, I just wish I could go back and I could tell Nikki 18 years ago, there's grace for you. Mm. You know, you're loved even while you're learning. So that would be what I would share with her. That is so powerful. And I know that everyone listening would just want to sit at your feet so much more. I just appreciate how you've shared so much. And for those who are saying, I want more, can you please give me more? Please go get a copy of Nicole's book. It is They Call Me Mama. And she shares much more in depth the stories and how God has taught her. It will make you laugh. It will make you be so convicted and challenged, but you'll just love learning from the just the life that she's living that she's just saying yes to God and he's being faithful doesn't mean that it's been always this easy journey like she's talked about, but he's been so faithful. And I'm just so appreciative of your willingness to say yes, to step out in faith, to live this life that might feel really wild and crazy to a lot of people, but seeing God's faithfulness through it all and then to be willing to share it. So everyone listening, go get a copy of Nicole's book, They Call Me Mama. I promise you, you will be so blessed by reading it. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.